you know, we're missing out on premium content. Talking about rats fucking. Welcome to the United States of Paranormal Podcast. Sit down and buckle up for an enlightening ride through everything cryptid, creepy, and paranormal. Welcome back to another episode of the United States of Paranormal, uh, late night edition, where we're like coast to coast AM, but the Aldi's version. This is Logan, the artist formerly known as Nagel, and uh, to the metaphorical right of me, it is Matt. Hello, everybody. Hello, Dr. Nick. Nick. And, you know, is there is there like, I feel like there's a whole generation of people that won't get that anymore, even though the Simpsons are still running. Yeah, uh, watching The Simpsons honestly kind of feels like a boomer thing nowadays. Uh, modern Simpsons is pretty rough compared to the, the old uh, stuff. You know what's crazy, though? Family Guy is making a comeback thanks to TikTok. I didn't know Family Guy was like, I don't watch any of it, but I didn't know it was waning off. But that beautiful yeah. dulcet voice you hear there, dulcet, would that describe Brandon's voice? Dulcet? That's a, that's a, that's a voice thing, right? I mean, I would have gone with grading, but sure, dulcet is Bose. And he's to the metaphorical right of Brent, or of Matt. Not metaphorical. So right Dulcet is apparently a fetish about rape, murder, and genophagia. What? I thought dulce, Dulcet Tones was a thing. I've heard people say Dulcet Tones. I've... That... Let's just blow right past that. Dulcet right... sounds are soft and pleasant to listen to. Well, what Dulcet. Brandon just said it's was nor soft about or pleasant. Rape, murder, and gynophagia, which I don't gynophagia know what gynophagia is. is a no, 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 no. fantasy that involves women ending up as food. Mm, don't like it. Mm. Don't like it. Don't like it. I'm going to go with the Matt's one where I know I've heard people talk about dulcet tones like soft, smooth, and nice, which I was trying to compliment you, and then you just brought it to a whole ick level right there. But uh, you I'm heard right, for. this is the late night edition of the United States of Paranormal. We are recording at 11.07 Texas time on a Friday night. What does it feel like being late night radio, boys? Dulcet? Like, I was going to say, like, we're slowly going further down. Dulcet. I don't want to hear dulcet anymore. Brandon ruined dulcet for me. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. I think that's right. right anymore. I feel like I've heard someone described as like the sweet, sweet dulcet tones of. Yeah, no, that's Jimmy right. Buffett. Uh, I don't Jimmy know. Buffett be considered dulcet? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be dulcet tones? Uh, Barry White. Yeah, probably dulcet? Barry White. Uh, may, uh. I've been uh, really trying, baby. Oh, uh, mm, can't keep singing, otherwise we might get sued. Soft, yeah, I'd say that's probably that would that would fit dulcet. I keep thinking oh. like deeper voices, but I don't feel like that actually matches. I see what happened. I spelled dulcet with an O, not a U. Apparently, if you spell dulcet with an O instead of a U, it goes really, really bad. <laughs> And I bet they're pronounced the exact same way. That's rough. That's rough. Whoo! All right, boys. So let's start with Maddie. Maddie, how is your week been? 
I... You haven't had a whole week, too, because it's Friday. So, I mean, a whole work week is done and gone. Yeah. Uh... Man, I wish I could have, tell a fun story about something I did this week, but I'd be lying. That's fair. It's work as usual. Um, next week, I take on extra work. So, it's more of like a week full of prep and dread for... School work or outside of school work? Oh, really both, but I'm mainly That's referring fair. to school work. Uh, one of our instructors has moving on to better things, and so I have to take over for his class. So, mid-semester, I, I have to... Things. I thought you were about to say you just it's died or Carl, something. It's not Carl, is it? No. Also, no. Oh, okay. Uh, He's moved on from his mortal coil. Man, it's funny you uh, you mentioned Carl, though. He's the one who actually gave me this story, so... Oh, uh, yeah, he's the one who told me about it, uh, which kind of, after going through this, totally fits uh, what you'd expect from Carl. I don't know Carl, so I'm just going to believe you. Good guy. Salt of the earth. Nice. He is. He nice. is a really uh, good guy. But yeah, so I have to prep to teach an extra class next week, and it's just kind of a weird thing going into a class halfway through a semester and trying to figure out where the other teacher has left off and what the hell I'm going to teach for the rest of the semester. Well, if I learned anything from going to school is that uh, all you need to do is wheel in the TV and play uh, Remember the Titans and radio over and over again, and uh, you're good. That would be really funny. I don't know. Like, is that – that was big, our generation. Are, do that, they no, still do it, that to younger was it, kids? Was it called – was it October Sky or November Sky? It's October Sky, right? The one with Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, he worked in a mine. I but think he it's to October make, Sky. Yeah. And he wanted to make rockets instead. Yeah. That's yeah, the movies October they played Sky. on loop for us at Mauriceville Middle School and uh, LCM. A little bit in LCM, but mostly Mauriceville Middle School. Anytime they whipped out the VHS player, it was fucking radio, Remember the Titans, or uh, October Skies. And let me tell you, uh, I there's not a time that I've ever put on Remember the Titans and not wanted to cry when they started singing Na 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 Na. Yeah. Here's a question, though. Have you watched Remember the Titans since, like, since you've been out of school? Oh, dude, I watched Remember Titans, like, some point this year, and when they still, like, they're adults and they're around his coffin, and they start going, nah, 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 nah. I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Fun fact, did you know in real life that coach was removed, like, a year later for being too hard on the students back in, like, that time period? Neat. That's yeah. interesting. You know how rough you had to be back then to get removed for being too rough? Yeah, you practically had to fucking kill the students yourself. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I found that out the other day, and I was like, oh, that kind of ruins that for me a little bit. But I guarantee you, if I watched <laughs> it right now, I would still be like, oh, no, hold back the tears. This fact hurts me inside. It does. Da, da, da. Uh, movie news. Uh, we talked about Five Nights at Freddy's and how it was finally going last week. Well, they uh, somebody was interviewing Matthew Lillard, who's playing uh, Afton the main bad guy in the series if you don't know purple man later on spring trap yeah uh and he uh he let it slip that they signed him for a three movie contract oh and wow so i mean that means he we're probably going to see him in human form and then spring trap form and then burnt up fucked up spring trap form so stoked to hear that i mean, I mean i'm not really familiar with the five nights at freddy lore so well, basically, he is a dude that runs the pizzeria and helps makes animatronics, and he makes the animatronics to where they 
he, he ends up murdering kids and wedging them in there. And then oh. later on, the spirits possess those animatronics and they start trying to find him. And uh, he panics and runs back into room and gets into what's referred to as a spring trap suit, which is an animatronic suit that also doubles as a human can get in it and wear it. Mm-hmm. But those were faulty equipment. And when he got in there, it was moist and the spring traps activated and they basically impaled him and he died inside the suit. And so he came back as possessing that suit. So he himself became a possessed animatronic. And then later Neat. on, it got scorched. And he came back as Withered Springtrap. So I didn't realize thing. that those games actually had like a story to Dude, them. Those those games have a convoluted ass lore slash story to it. There's a reason why Matt Pat has like seventy fucking videos on Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, at this point, Matt Pat's career is made off of Five Nights. Oh yeah, he absolutely and he admits it too. He's like, well, this is the game that I have to always make videos on it as stuff comes out because I'm obligated to because it made me what I am. Yeah. But yeah, no, they got deep, deep, crazy-ass lore. So when this movie comes out, we don't know if they're going to go off the video games, the books, the coloring books. <laughs> like, they have... The lore is fucking bonkers. It's hard to track. But either I, way, I we're going to have yeah. Matthew Lillard voicing an animatronic, uh, fucked-up, corpse-riddled uh, rabbit at some point, and I'm all for it. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to see on the screen. Uh, speaking of video game adaptations um it's the show's been going long enough i don't know if you've gotten to watch any of it yet kane but i've got to watch i'm still behind kane i'm uh, logan uh but i've i've gotten to it lost at least get three episodes into last of us i haven't watched any of it yet but i did watch a side-by-side comparison of the porno mag uh read in a vehicle Mm mm-hmm and uh, it was like legitimately spot for spot the video game because they played it side by side. Yeah, there's been several spots so far that have just been one for one with the game, and it's, that's really impressive to see because you've never seen that in yeah something yeah. like well, that yeah, before. Because mo- most modern games are legitimately movie quality storyline. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially games like The Last of Us. Yeah. So why why diverse from it? so fucking hardcore when you can legitimately just take from the source script and it play there's a reason these things are major video games that have sold millions and millions of dollars because the story is fucking good so why diverse from it it's like with halo we still to this day cannot wrap our head around why they fucked the dog so hard script wise when they had it all laid out for them and also had tons of fucking books they were like well written and great. I don't even fucking read, and I swear by the Cole Protocol and other fucking books. Yeah, in the I... Halo franchise, and they just went. They're like, okay, we'll use the names, we'll use the concept ish, and just completely fuck off with it. it yeah, makes sense. I'm pretty confident the problems coming down to these show. These people get these shows as sh- they become the showrunners. And they have to, they feel like they need to make it their own somehow. This is not the day and age for that. Yeah. And one thing that's great about The Last of Us is the the game developers are some of the showrunners. Yeah. Like they're directing episodes and putting in work behind it. Which that might be the best way to fucking go about it. And it was, and it's incredible to see that the, the changes they're making make sense for a 
TV medium. Like they're getting rid of scenes with gas masks and stuff like that because they're like, we want the actors to shine. We don't want to have something that's like a mechanic in a video game here. You know, they're yeah. changing just enough to where they're making it more feasible for television while keeping the feel of the game. Yeah, I'm hoping this teaches people uh, that, like, it can happen and that they need to start, like, it sounds like a fanboy-ass thing to say, but they need to respect the, they need to respect the fans, the fanboys, the fangirls, because that shit rides and dies on us. You know, yeah, it's not it's not it's not fans blowing themselves. We are the ones that made the video games big. And we're where you need to lean for the video game adapt the the movie adaptions or the TV show adaptions. Well, yeah, they're your like they are your built in audience. Like, sure, you'll catch other people. But at the end of the day, like 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 the fact that like Sonic, let's take this for an instance, Sonic they put out that travesty and fucking fans lost their absolute shit. And you know what? The studios listened to the fans and guess what? That movie's okay, but that movie doesn't never didn't really deserve the showing that it got in theaters. Oh yeah. But fans saw a studio listen to them. So fans went out and supported that flick. Now that flick is making a third movie because it fucking just prints money. They yeah. respected the fans enough to change the design of a character, even though everything was basically done. And they supported the film because of it. Last of Us is fucking being respectful of the source material. Fans are supporting the fuck out of it. Halo didn't, and fans tore it the fuck apart. Yeah, And that absolutely. was, like, as far as you could go from the source material. Like, it was rough, yeah. rough. I've supported well, Halo my whole life. I didn't watch a single episode of that shit. Yeah. Well, and like with the last of us, I'll stand by that the first two episodes absolutely great. The third episode, I think, is some of the best television we honestly have had in years. That's and is, the one with uh, what's his face with um, Offerman. Yeah, I fucking love that dude. That dude fucking kills it in everything he's in. I don't know if you guys have ever watched. I talked to the call guys about it recently, or at least I mentioned it to mm -hmm. the call guys. They did an episode on uh, based on true story movies their top three and in my top three is the movie the founder which i don't know if either of you watched it but it is about the guy that uh basically made mcdonald's what it is oh yeah i've seen that movie yeah and michael keaton plays the main guy but nick offerman plays one of the mcdonald's brothers is honestly top three list for me for based on true story movies because keaton kills it offerman kills it that whole movie is amazing offerman always fucking just comes comes to bat when he's oh, yeah. doing something. Well, what I was saying about Offerman in that episode, like, in a way, it seems like he was, at least, like, half of his character in that episode was typecast. Like, this do-it-yourself, survival nut, anti-government, manly man. But then, you like, as soon as they introduce another character in the episode... You see Offerman kind of play at least uh, a, a type of character I've never seen Nick Offerman play, which was a very awkward, very uncomfortable, and also very intimate person. And it was just a really fantastic performance by Nick Offerman. Oh, I yeah. really like, enjoyed it. Nick like, Offerman plays a very similar character in Bob's Burgers. He's also uh, all basically all the stuff you described, but he is also a, runs a gay bar and is a gay man in that. Too. <laughs> yeah, like it's. 
it's funny too because like i say it's funny it's not really funny but it's like he plays off like he is he has some form of autism like he's somewhere on the spectrum in that episode well as far as like his social skills like you see like certain ticks and stuff he has when interacting with people and he can't really read the mood and stuff like that and he's very paranoid around other people even though like more so than even like in like you think someone should be in an apocalyptic scenario like that. Yeah. yeah. And I like need to check it out. I haven't yet. Uh, I know enough about the video games because I've just, they've been around forever, but I need to, I need to get around to watching the show. I have it, but it gives me, it gives me high hopes for Netflix's Bioshock. I'm really hoping that they take notes from this and just keep to, the source material yeah. as much as possible. I really enjoyed it. I played the game. I really enjoyed the game. The game was one of the only reasons I bought a PS4. It's fair. Uh, and I have to say, I'm so glad they didn't... There's one thing in the game that always really fucking bothered me, and I'm glad they paid a quick homage to it, but in the game, towards the beginning of the game, when, you're leaving, when they leave the QZ that they're in, the quarantine zone the for them to leave they have to go up into this high rise that has partially collapsed and is leaning onto another high rise and they go way the fuck up this high rise so they can go from one high rise to the other and i always thought that was really dumb they did it because you want they wanted that visual in the game for the levels but i hated it and thankfully they show the high rise in the episode they do not go into the high rise yeah, well, because, like, in that episode, the drama wasn't the high-rise. In the game, you know, they've put it there as an environment. They want you to explore it because it's a video game, you know? Like, the environment's supposed to be It makes part a cool of, level, yeah. Yeah, part level. For that, the drama in that episode is, like, them, like, getting used to Ellie and then trying to find their way across the city safely. Yeah, and her first and, exposure to what the world is outside of the QZ. Yeah, exactly. And Ellie in that moment is the uh, audience stand-in as you learn about the different types of zombies and stuff and stuff that's in the world and like and how they work. So what it's like you didn't about, need that. What I respect about that franchise is the zombie they decided to go with based on the fungus that fucking attacks wasp and caterpillars and bugs because that shit is horrifying. I don't know if you ever watched a time-lapse video on that kind of shit. That is rough to watch. That shit sprouting out of an ant and, like, it climbing up the top of a stock to get to the maximum level of sunlight and then it just taking over completely. That is haunting. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've uh, seen footage and photos of stuff that of that stuff in the past, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary to think what would happen if it were to somehow like if something were to manifest like that that could affect humans oh, yeah well, well i feel like if it ever happened it would be something like a fungus or something like that because it'd be like something like that twisted from bugs to mammals to to us you know like just like slowly climb up the food chain and it's just like it's not like a malicious fungus it's not like oh i gotta kill everything it's like i just need to spread as much as possible and get to the optimal position because it's got the the objective that's plant objective and that's that's scary oh yeah absolutely i mean even without the whole biting people stuff thing which just the idea of something like that that's more closer what happens in the insect world of just yeah that being controlled and being 
zombified into finding a place to perch in the sun, essentially. Uh, yeah, absolutely horrendous. Well, and like I said, I really appreciate that. In the first episode, they don't talk about the flower and how the, you know, the spores are in the flower and that's what gets people infected but they show that basically joel and his daughter in that first episode are avoiding gluten products the entire time like there's parts where like you know the daughter gets asked to bake cookies and joel forgets to get the birthday cake and stuff like that so they show how they don't get infected while everyone else does and it's really cool to see that um like having stuff like that in the episode and then like the next episode oh yeah it was flour that caused people to get infected well it's just like stuff like that also like especially on the heels of what we dealt with covid that it makes it scarier because it, you, we got to understand how quickly something would spread via negligence and refusal of the populace you know oh, yeah like the government could hop on the fucking news right now and be like don't eat fucking flour you're gonna get the zombie infection and how many people would still go out and do it because of, like fake news this isn't real this that's is an infringement on my rights yeah and then all of a sudden we're fucking in the last of us because people just don't want to fucking listen you know uh, you don't it's fucking haunting because like you could uh you i could when the last of us came out that was pre-covid and it was already scary but then you go through a pandemic and then you're like, oh my god, this would spread like wildfire, even if we had a warning, because people would not like, fucking yeah. like listen. people would go through and eat flour just in spite. Yeah, people would go to the store and just mix up flour with water, drink it, be like, look, I'm fine. And the next thing they know, they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, there would be videos all over social media of people fucking doing it. To, and they, yeah, no, this is bullshit. The government's lying. Uh, I'm gonna leave real quick. I want to go stand out in the sun. It's just like, no, no. The government's just trying to take flour away from all the sheep. Yeah, god damn it. It would be fucking rough. That's why I have no faith in humanity if some if some kind of... We already had a scary virus, but I'm like, if some kind of other virus like that started to spread, I'd just be like, oh, well, we're all fucked. People oh, yeah. will be getting it just to prove a fucking point. Unfortunately. They, they really so, would. On this note... Uh, I don't know throughout your guys' lives what your experience is, but just like horror in video games, like have coincided for a very long time. Like, what what do you guys have like a top horror video game that's like that you would like go to throughout your life? I know for me, my first exposure would have been Zombies at My Neighbor on the Sega Genesis when I was a kid, and I swear by that game to this day. I fucking love that uh, game. Brandon might be able to say differently, but I think our first real exposure to horror in video games was the game series Alone in the Dark. Yeah, Alone in the Dark was one, but also, do you what remember the PC. PC? Technically, MS-DOS. Yeah. Do you remember Seventh Guest? Uh, I know of Seventh, Gu Seventh Guest. Did we play that? Yeah, we played that. I say that. play we... that. We used to sit with our father and watch him play them. Yeah. Yeah, Seventh Guest was one, and then there was another one along with Alone in the Dark that we had that was like another MS DOS horror game. Yeah. I, I, I can't... And of course, you know, the, like the first several Alone in the Darks were on PC. 
Yeah. I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever heard of Alone in the Dark on PC, but I also did not know PC PC game. Oh no, I knew I'm trying to remember the name of it. My neighbor Gordon had a PC game that uh me and my sister would play uh when we went over there that was like very it was the art style it was some dude and it was like uh you go about his house and you're trying to find clues at what had happened to him and he had been abducted by aliens and the alien art was very like uh ridley scott alien-esque quality i'm trying to remember the name of that game so you guys can talk amongst yourself yeah try to figure uh, the fuck out yeah i don't know i don't think i've ever played a game like that but those, a lot of game, games like that those point and clicks oftentimes uh live action video games were very popular yeah for pc gamers back in the day well and too like alone in the dark a lot of people like know the later games where it's like you're used to like third person moving around with a controller and you're doing actions and stuff the first few games were like point and click almost mysteries yeah like they were very much like the original there was like a slower pace resident evil one old Resident Evil games were fucking I've I like I have always liked the the story and the idea of Resident Evil but I have never liked the uh over the shoulder game style of Resident Evils you know yeah so and like the first Resident Evil if you've never played it is fixed cameras so it's not even like over the shoulder Okay, I've got the uh, the name of the game. I looked up a chat with me and my sister had because she brought it up and I looked up for it. Uh-huh. It was called Dark Seed. Dark and it was Seed. on the PC. Interesting. And it was a... I would like to go back and play it as an adult because I could probably actually fucking do it. But uh, I'm going to pull this image. Oh, damn, this is trippy. And I'm going to pull this image and I'm going to send it to you guys so you can see it because this is shit I was doing before I was even in third grade on uh the pc over at my neighbor's mm-hmm. house and this sh- and the imagery in this game was fucking haunting yeah i get what you mean i've got it i've got an image search up this is i've just sent you over an image on discord and okay. like this is like a cut oh, scene yeah. that i remember as a kid because you're just playing as a normal dude trying to figure out what happened and you see what i meant like ridley scott oh yeah ass art it absolutely yeah. looks like a promethean ship this music in this game was so fucking haunting when it got to shit. Even when we were just walking through the house, it was haunting. It, like, sticks with me to this day. And I would honestly like to look it up and go back and play it as an adult because I imagine i get so much fucking farther than I would have at fucking, like, age 8 and 9, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. But, like... I, this game would totally fuck up a little kid. Oh, it did. It absolutely did. <laughs> but we kept playing it because I was like, what's going on here? Like, wh- wh- what were these things doing to this guy? Because you'd have clips like him remembering stuff like this, but he's still up and walking around, you know? Yeah. But, like, I played first horror genre for me would have been Zombies Ain't My Neighbor on Sega Genesis, which was just, like, a level-by-level fucking game with a mash of, like, horror monsters. You'd have your normal-ass zombies. You go to the next level. It would be... uh or at the chopping mall and you'd have like Chucky-esque dolls that would go and throw axes at you and then the next level you go would be like uh, Texas Chainsaw Hedge Maze Massacre and you have a guy that looks like Jason Voorhees 
but he has a chainsaw and there's a bunch of them and you have to navigate a hedge mage trying to find all uh. the civilians and save them to get to the next level. And then you would have like uh, goop piles like the thing and then you would have giant ants and you would have titanic toddler and it, I have I still have my copy of that game in the hard case it came with with Sega with the manual. That's how much I loved that game as a kid. I kept all of that. But I would play later on I think the thing that like horror wise that like legitimately scared me and uh skylar and gunner would play this too uh chico and uh the skywalker we had uh turok on nintendo 64 and that first level on turok you have you you start in this like darker room and you have to round this corner and when you round this corner uh and you walk down it a fucking velociraptor fucking pops out and all you have is a bow and arrow and that shit was haunting (laughs) Me, me and Matt actually had a copy of Torok Evolution uh, for yeah Torok Evolution for the Xbox. Yeah, no Torok Evolution. Now that shit was a fun ass multiplayer game. I had that on PS2. God, that oh, game yeah. was fucking hard too. Oh yeah, all the Torok games were fucking daunting. Yeah, I don't think you can play it. I don't. Would think you they... count the original Duke Nukem on N64 as a horror game? Because it kind of felt like it when you were a kid. Uh, it might have been like horror I don't comedy. Know. Well, because you see, like, like there was a level where you got in a swimming pool and you would see like dead people hanging via chains in yeah. the swimming pool and stuff. Yeah, that's kind of true. I would s- the original Quake, like Quake and Quake Two, were really scary too. Oh yeah, like as as kids, and we I know we played a lot of Quake Two. Yeah, no, that's fair. That game is, in fact, scary to a kid. It's crazy to think about what was scary back then and then, like, what fucking kids are playing nowadays for scary games, you know? I couldn't imagine playing, like, Five Nights at Freddy's when I was eight. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, my God. I mean, I still scream like a bitch now as an adult playing those games. Like, you could sit me in Five Nights at Freddy's 1 right now, and I'd still scream like a bitch. (laughs) Well, like even like the original Tomb Raider was oh yeah no for horrifying sure. oh, as yeah. a kid, Absolutely. like he, especially like when you get to the scary parts like, like sharks out or crocodiles in the water was still scary yeah <laughs> fucking Tomb Raider and then you get to like the last level and it's like you're having to deal with like bloodied centaurs and weird oh, we like, talked about this in the first ugh. episode you were, you mentioned the wombs and shit yeah oh yeah no, no that shit was like horrifying back in our age because we went from shit like uh the super nintendo and sega genesis and next thing you know it's like 3d gaming and they're like welcome to tomb raider bitch bitches popping out of wall wombs and you're like shit is <laughs> uh, shooting fucking lasers out of nowhere you're like what the it's crazy to think about in our lifetime the the drastic quality difference in video games that we've witnessed as kids because yeah, like people of Jeremy's age went from uh you know playing that old game where you caught the ball and the wooden fucking uh <laughs> the wooden fucking uh, oh, uh yeah. ice cream cone looking thing in their hand yeah. to playing pong oh that's great uh, he was around for the invention of the wheel and stuff, but us, we were here for Sega Genesis and uh, Ninten- Super Nintendo to Nintendo 64 to PlayStation to PlayStation 2 to 360 to where we are now with the fucking Oculus and shit. Do you think Jeremy considered Jax a horror game? 
I'll tell you what, at this, yeah, I imagine so. At this point, uh, before this airs, Jeremy will have had his 50th birthday because he turns 50 on the 20th. Oh, God. Yeah, he's old as shit. Yeah. Man, he's got one foot in the grave. Yeah. Has he picked out a cast, Jeremy? (laughs) Let us know, Jeremy. Hit us up with the email at unitedstatesparanormal.com or at gmail.com and tell us if you thought Jax was scary when you were playing the the most (laughs) – advanced technological game back in the day yeah i couldn't uh, imagine fucking... being a kid and playing a vr game especially a vr horror game i saw this clip of this little kid playing some kind of dinosaur game and the kid was freaking out like as shit a him t-rex walked back. yeah and i i've been i've been looking at some uh psychologist reactions to that and apparently with kids they uh if you cut off their other uh, senses, then they pretty much pull all of their information, like emotional and like stimulation information from the one sense that's available to them. So in VR's case, sight. Uh, and apparently something you know, like that is, can potentially really fuck some, up a kid. You're right. And it probably causes some trauma. But at the same time, it is amazing watching these kids run around in Among Us VR, terrified know. just because someone walks up to them and go, run, run, run. And they just start screaming, running away. Kill me. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I want to laugh with you, but I'm sitting here looking at this image from that fucking game I showed y'all, and it's just fucking haunting me yeah. from my childhood. And I'm like, no, if it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, like, okay, one thing, if a kid's online and, like, trying to play with adults, which I don't recommend anyway, but... Unless you want your kid to be battle-hardened by racial slurs and uh, off-putting jokes. Well, usually when a kid's in that situation, they're the one who are throwing out all the racial slurs. You know what? I can't dispute that. I've been called a lot by what seems like 10-year-olds playing CT. Yeah, and so in that situation, I'm like, you know... That kid deserves a little sensory overload. All right, all you paranormal fans out there, we had a technical difficulty. Unfortunately, the AI uprising happened, and uh, there's a lot of conversation and dialogue that uh, died out there on the airwaves that we'll never be able to revisit. Some of the best conversations of our lives, really. I would say the best. I would argue that anybody who would have listened to that would have grown as a human being. Words on the street was... Pulitzer Prize. That's what I was hearing. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, I heard Uh, that monologue you gave was up for a Golden Globe. Unfortunately, it's gone forever now. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna dive right back into this. We're gonna we're just gonna we're gonna revitalize. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna be like, uh, hey there, all you uh, paranormal. uh, To quote Jeremy, all you paranormal freaks out there. This is Logan, aka the artist formerly known as Nagel, aka uh, God's Revolver. Twice as oh, I fucked it up. I fucking there's a dialogue there and it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. We whiffed it, much like the AI revolution. Absolutely. And I'm that thing that hides in your closet, Matt. He is. I've caught him in my closet uh, on more than one occasion, and uh, both times I've acted like I didn't see him, and uh, I just got off to knowing he was there. It's for the best. If you know yeah. I'm there, that's when I have to act. And on the other side of the ladder there, we've got the man, the Spectrum himself, the Spectrum employee, and the, well, I was going to say the man that lives on the Spectrum, but that might be, uh... Oh, God. <laughs> we can't that say be, uh, that. We don't know that I can say that. 
You just that, did, though. Is that, technically, it's true, so it's not offensive, right? No, I right? think we gotta cut that. Right? Is Logan finally getting something been, cut I out of the never podcast? Been formally diagnosed. The unformally diagnosed man on the spectrum himself, Brandon Bose. That was the sound of a horn. Oh my god. It's late, okay, people? It's almost 1 o'clock at night at this point. It's 12.35. We were making jokes about late night, and now it's just so much later. Now we're at that point of the night on HBO where all the, like, the, 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 what is it called? The not hardcore porn, but the, uh... Softcore. softcore, yeah. We're now in the softcore yeah, HBO hitting, part of the yeah, night. Yeah, we're hitting Skinamax time of night right now. This is fucking United States of Paranormal Skinamax edition. Sensual touching. That's what's Louder happening Louder than God's revolver in Twice as Shiny. That's what I was trying to say. That's what I was trying to say. That would have been a really good line. I know, but, you know, it's still there. The intention's there. It's like it's like it's late night podcasting. It's a, it's a, it's excusable. Nobody at this point is uh, expecting much. I'm saying this like people are listening to this late at night, but that's not the case. Let's be let's be real. People are listening to this on their drive to and from work. Hey, these episodes night. drop at midnight on Wednesday mornings. I assume all of our listeners are immediately downloading and listening to Absolutely. the episode. Absolutely. While talking, so about I think it's fitting. Our, I was about to say our whispers, our listeners. I would like to shout out. I know that guy, twenty three, who left a review via Apple Podcast. Kimberly Gilmore, who left a comment via Instagram, and our man, the truest fan, Mason Straw, aka the Straw Man, aka I'm the Tin Man to his Straw Man, on Facebook, hitting us up and conversate with Jeremy, throwing him a bone, talking about the Indiana Chiefs fans. We appreciate you, the Straw Man. Y'all hear that out there? You write us or review us, we shout you out. So fucking do it. Talk to us. We need it. We're desperate we for talk to each other. Yeah, we're desperate for human interaction. Exactly. I don't get enough hugs at home, so I need verbal uh, or written hugs from the listeners out there. Um. That being said, we've covered small talk. A lot of our small tack, small tack, small talk died via the AI revolution, so that's gone forever uh anybody do anything for valentine's day i mm. bought my wife a box of not a box uh, a thing of fancy chocolates Ooh. it was like strawberry cream dove chocolates or something like that uh she said she liked them she ate the whole thing in one go well fucking shame her like that on the air <laughs> She ate the whole fucking box. <laughs> I mean, I would have done it too because I'm a fatty, so I can't. Uh, we just got in my I... household. We just got a heart-shaped pizza from Pizza Hut, and we watched the 1981 uh, My Bloody Valentine, mm -hmm. which I'm a horror truist, but fuck me, the Jensen Ackles remake is so much better than the 1981 one. You might be biased. No, the nineteen eighty let me clarify, the nineteen eighty one My Bloody Valentine was a Canadian slasher. Okay? Motherfuckers <laughs> are saying stuff like a boot and shit in it. And it's it's a rough watch. The Jensen Ackles one, uh the practical effects and violence are mm -hmm. on par and it is uh, the the miner walks around much more uh menacingly. He walks him around more like he more robotic and more like a force of nature opposed to the 1981 one 
where the miner sees somebody and he quickly sprints into a fucking cranny where they can't see him anymore. <laughs> well, and let's face it, the movie was instantly better because Jensen Ackles. Oh, absolutely. But in the 19... You know what the Jensen Ackles one didn't have that the 1981 didn't have him? What? Mm. The At the end in the credits, they played a folksy song. You know how, like, the Ramones did the Pet Cemetery song? Yeah. In the 1981s, they did, like, a folksy song about My Bloody Valentine at the end. That's awesome. And if you've never heard it, uh, listeners, you have to go listen to it. Because it's like that... Uh, what was that old song about that ship that sank in, uh, like, uh, one of the Great Lakes? Oh, come on. Uh, fuck. You guys have had a heard it before. I'm st- I'm stalling while I look it up. Vamp, Logan, uh, vamp! I'm trying. I don't know. Somebody filled the dead air while I Googled it. Uh, so, we tried to, uh, me and my wife, we did try as a couple to watch episode four of The Last of Us. Unfortunately, we got ten minutes in. And my son woke up crying, so we did not get to continue okay. that. The song, The Wreck of the Edmund Finch Gerald. Oh, interesting. Uh, it is very much almost like identically like the sound of that song. Uh, but it's a but they swap the lyrics to talk about a minor that's killing people on Valentine's Day. That's cool. Which it, I mean, yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna say it's cool, it's no Pet Cemetery by the Ramones, but it's still, <laughs> it's just really, it's you're so used to like those like punk rock horror movie songs, to where when you listen to that, it's very jarring because it's very just like folksy and slow, and it's about like the whole plot of the movie. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, 1981, uh, My Bloody Valentine. Uh, what me and Kayla do is now we basically on uh, every year we swap which one we all watch last year we watched the Jensen Ackles one aka the good one mm-hmm. and this year we watched the 1981 version oh, cool. so hey next year we get to watch the good one again <laughs> yeah. they both have their merits but like oof, oof just check them out let me know what you think email us at the United States Paranormal at gmail.com we'll shout you out tell me what you think watch them they're both free on different platforms so uh, give him a watch, give him a listen. But on that note, uh, fuck, let's get into the case, Matt. All right, yeah. Okay. So this one was recommended to me by my friend Carl. And uh, holy shit, he sent me on just one of the biggest deep dives I've ever done so far for this podcast. Um, I will go ahead and clarify right now. I am not going to go into detail, into like extreme detail about several of the things in this episode, but that is because they warrant their own episodes. So basically what he's saying is this guy sent him down the rabbit hole of rule 30, rule 34, the bananas in pajamas, right? That's where this uh, is going. The bananas, the what? <laughs> no. Just okay. You really never heard of the bananas and pajamas? No. Man, fucking what kind of Aldi's discount ass childhood did you have? I've never even been to an Aldi's. <laughs> Just fucking go. I didn't find out about Aldi's until I was 30. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear you. about Aldi's until I was already a man. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so today we are going to talk about 
the Montauk Monster. Well, I like that. I like uh, I like a good Stan Leonism. It's a uh, it starts with an M, and the second name is an M too. Oh yeah, Montauk Monster, like Peter Parker or Matt Murdock. So Stanley would be proud. In the ancient year of two thousand and eight. That's right. This century, uh, walking the shores of Ditch Plains in Montauk, New York, three friends, Jenna Hewitt, Rachel Goldberg, and Courtney Froon, stumbled on a washed-up corpse of an unidentifiable creature. The creature was bruised and bloated, it was missing patches of fur and skin, and it appeared to have a scorched by the uh, had appeared to have been scorched by the sun or even potentially set on fire. Wait, they found Courtney Love? Huh. <laughs> Ooh. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, it appeared mammalian with long limbs and particularly long finger-like appendages. The most peculiar thing about this creature was that it had a beak. Uh, Jenna took a photo of the creature, and after it was sent to a writer at Gawker, the story blew up. So before Gawker? I go for yes, Gawker. That sounds like a credible news source. Uh, so sounds like an incredible news source. Yeah, I the think Gawker it's... actually sounds like a porno production company. Let's be honest. So, uh, and I'm going to put it in the podcast chat here so I can easily go back and reference it. Here is a photo of the Montauk monster, the photo that blew up. Oh, I lost it. Oh, there you go. Podcast chat. Okay. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, we're going to have to put that in the socials for people to look at. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This thing looks like a, a rabbit and a parrot. And a badger had a illegitimate uh, bastard love child, and a Thanksgiving Day turkey pre-cook. Yeah, it is, is. It has. Matt, teeth. Where did you put this? In there the is a podcast in the tilt. Yeah, under text channels. This thing has teeth and a beak. Uh, yeah. It uh, it legitimately looks like a Thanksgiving turkey from Hellraisers. And it does look like somebody... It looks like a mob hit was taken out on it because it looks like somebody kicked the fuck out of it. It's yeah, all it does. bruised and shit. But that face, like, beacon teeth should never be included in a package. This was God's mistake. <laughs> it also looks like it's flipping you the bird in this picture. I know, right? <laughs> Died in the sand. It was like, fuck you. Get One fucked. Last one last get fucked to, <laughs> to God before we fucking tapped out. It was like, ah, oh, God, I didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Did you find that it, Brandon? Is, yeah, I, I found it. That thing is fucking capital U ugly. Oh, yeah. It is horrendous. It is nightmare fuel. Uh, I mean, imagine finding that thing on a beach. I can just hear the sounds of fucking listeners right now fucking clicking over to the socials to get a look at this bitch and I'm sorry I <laughs> yeah am, I am that is a that is a I don't even know what to classify that as uh a monster 
Would you say that thing gives live birth or lays eggs? Lays live births. Lays live. <laughs> I don't like the way you worded that. Oh, God. The teeth in the beak is what's really fucking it up for me. I know. I don't know what's right? going on with its hands, but the teeth beak combo, I am not a fan of. Teeth beak combo. That Nothing. Is... That sounds like something you would get in a. That sounds like something you would get in a church's chicken. <laughs> and is that a horn? Let me get. Hey, let me get that teeth beak combo. <laughs> no, it's not a horn. It's an ear. It's what's left of an ear. I don't know. That might be a horn esque ear. Horny ear. Yeah. I ain't a fan of the whole face region of that, which is ironically the what I said to Bose the first time I met him. <laughs> I, mean, I just can't stop look. I gotta fucking pull out of this right here because I cannot stop looking at the teeth on that. I know, right? It's hard. Like it's 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 hor It's horrifying. You don't want to look at it, but you also can't stop. It's dead, but I'm still worried it can hurt me. <laughs> it looked like it lived a rough life. Yeah, it's oh. It looked like it worked the nine to five on Simmons. Like it. Yeah. So when it was found, don't don't you associate Dolly Parton with this? <laughs> yeah. So when it was when it was found, a lot of people saw this. It was washed up on the beach, basically right below a busy restaurant. The fact that it has teeth and a beak. Oh yeah. There are interviews with a bunch of people who saw this thing washed up on the beach. Uh, and uh, they tried to call animal control to come and pick it up. Animal, uh, animal control yeah. never showed up. No, fuck you. Animal control showed up, saw that, and was like, mm -mm. <laughs> uh, The thing's got teeth and a beak. I ain't about it. And then a day or two later it come it disappeared uh one person claimed that there was a gentleman who came and took it and brought it home and may have uh stuffed it oh kinky uh but i couldn't find any i mean i, I would imagine if somebody took it home and stuffed it they would have taken photos of it or like uh anybody that's willing to take that thing home has fucking problems i imagine what happened is this thing woke up from what I can only describe is a massive hangover and it sauntered back into whatever environment it lives in, albeit water, land, or air. I'm not here to judge. <laughs> it just had a rough night, you know? It's been out drinking. Yeah, it just woke up in the beach, a little bruised, uh, a little worse than wear, and it woke up and it just fucked off. I mean, who can't relate to that? So... <laughs> so hard to look at. Yeah, the speculation on the origin of the creature started from there. Many believe the creature likely came from an animal test uh, testing facility on Plum Island just off the coast. Uh, Why? Was Plum Island in the business of just making the ugliest fucking creature they could fathom? We'll get there. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, oh, God. man, I wish we were in person for this because I would have taken the effort to make some for everybody because this is now the tin hat portion of this podcast. Oh, nice. This is our... on you. I have a tin hat on right now. <laughs> this is our first conspiracy theory of the podcast. And when I say conspiracy theory, I mean conspiracy theories because, holy shit, this brought me into a bunch of major conspiracy theories. 
Uh, and that's why I say we will touch on them, but each of these theories really need their own episode. This is the fucking love child of fucking Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, isn't it? That's where this is going. This is so there are two government installations in slash near Montauk. I mentioned Plum Island, but actually in Montauk is the Camp Hero military base. So we'll talk about that and then we'll move on to Plum Island after that. But a big conspiracy around the Camp Hero is what's called the Montauk Project. Uh, Camp Hero is tied to what's been called uh, in the conspiracy community as the Montauk Project, which has ties to the Philadelphia Experiment, the Stargate Project, MKUltra, uh, and of course oh, from no, MK Ultra, MK Ultra. <laughs> Operation I Paperclip. Fucking, I knew that fucking I knew Montauk sounded familiar. That's the whole fucking MK Ultra shit. Oh yeah. That's not good. So nothing that comes from that area is good. If you guys don't know, or for the people who are listening that don't know, the Philadelphia experiment uh was an attempt to make the USS Eldridge disappear from radar and made the ship allegedly teleport and there's a lot of crazy conspiracy around this event uh the ship was gone for like 30 seconds or so and when it came back a lot of the crew had been fused into the ship and two gentlemen alleged to have jumped off the ship ended up falling into a time portal and ending up hundreds of years into the future and eventually being able to open another portal to come back to their time. Uh, the Stargate project was about the, uh, the government trying to create psychic spies. Oh God. Uh, of course, MK ultra was a number of things, but they were working on identifying and developing drugs to use for interrogation. Like uh, acid. Yeah. Uh, government made acid. Everybody. It was trying to reprogram people into becoming sleeper agents. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, Operation Paperclip is not a conspiracy theory. Well, neither is MKUltra. MKUltra is very real. Real. Uh, yeah. Operation Paperclip was a very real program that was uh, recruiting Nazi scientists for U.S. projects. MKUltra was one said project. Allegedly, the Philadelphia Experiment was one said, uh, such project. And a... Uh, project known as the Manhattan Project was one such experiment that we know of. God, uh, we have Jesus. to cover all of those at some point yeah. because MK Ultra is a goddamn trip. Yeah. The Manhattan Project was the development of the nuclear bomb. Yeah. yeah. So whether a lot of this stuff is bullshit or whether this stuff is actually real, uh, we do know that several of these projects that were kind of fueled by Operation Paperclip are very real and some and I'm sure there's plenty that we don't even know about uh because yeah. when MK Ultra was about to be shut down the people in charge burned a bunch of the paperwork so we lost a lot of information about what happened during those projects including the paperwork that uh talked about the weird experiment where they got a fucking badger and a parrot on acid and they had a bastard love child which resulted in what I'm staring at on the screen right now. That is uh, definitely a sentence. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> that is one of the sentences. I'm telling you, uh, listeners, if you're not 
if you haven't looked at this picture yet, absolutely go to our socials and look at this picture because it's going to be on there and it's going to haunt you. Yeah, you're not going to sleep the same after this. You will be concerned about this thing being in your home. I'm just concerned about like it just mm, it's covered in sand. It's just mm, the whole picture's uncomfortable. I don't like it. Oh yeah, it's. Oh, I want to drop some MK Ultra level acid right now just to forget this, but I'd probably <laughs> have a bad trip and it'd be in it. So, this is the start of a crippling alcohol addiction. Uh, just to forget this image. Oh, absolutely, I'm on it right now. So. The Montauk Project was made up of a series of experiments. One experiment involved the kidnapping of thousands of children, yay, many orphaned yay. or homeless, from various parts of New York. Uh, and these children would be tortured and psychologically broken with the Bless goal you. of reprogramming them into sleeper agents for spying or assassination. Uh, this is very much like uh, interesting to hear children because this was something that was in fact done in the MK Ultra uh, experiments but to prisoners, adults college students, etc. So it's interesting to see that uh, this is believed to have been done to children at this military installation Like uh, another alleged Born. experiment was to unlock psychic abilities uh, of these children to be able to see through the eyes, uh, see through other people's eyes at great distances or summon objects with their minds or even open up portals to alternate dimensions. And this yet again, I would like to another claim was not... that the facility was experimenting with wormholes uh, not and subsequently theories. opening up a wormhole linking back to the wormhole opened up by the Philadelphia experiment in 1943. Uh, all of this was going on uh, in uh, 19... Where is that? I just wrote this down somewhere. Uh, around the 1970s and the 1980s is when these alleged experiments were happening. So trying to go back 40 years into the past uh, to link back to the Philadelphia experiment. Oof. It's crazy to think about this. This is actual shit that our government was trying to do. Yeah. Now, this isn't us just being conspiracy theorist, theorist, theorist. It's real shit that happened. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of it got declassified. Yeah. yeah it's fucking bonkers. Now, they were going to make a TV show, or they were making a TV show based on the Montauk project. It was going to be titled Montauk. Unfortunately, uh, from what I could find due to production issues, they ended up moving the show to Indiana and renaming it. On a side note, Montauk sounds like a great name that, for a uh, podcast. Yeah. That show was Stranger Things. Rutro. Yeah. Huh. It's fair. It's fair. So, Stranger Things was originally Government supposed dimensions. to be heavily, heavily, directly based on the Montauk experiments. But for whatever reason, they uh, moved it to Indiana and renamed it Stranger Things. The only successful I mean, thing to come obviously, out of Indiana ever. Obviously, they made a good choice there. Yeah. 
there are uh, alleged to be underground facilities at Camp Hero. I mean, obviously, where are you going to do your nefarious government experimentation? Uh, while the blueprints for the facility don't show any kind of underground uh, bunkers or underground tunnels and stuff, uh, one gentleman who uh, he made a... I have that name written down here. Uh, hold on a second. Let me pull this up real quick. There was a series called the Montauk Chronicles, a documentary series. It's not well-reviewed, but it was uh, <laughs> directed and made by a gentleman by the name of uh, Christopher Garitano, and he claims to have gone to the site with seismic imaging technology, uh, seismic imaging tools, and has been able to show that there are things underground there. I couldn't find images of any of this, so whether there's credence to that, I don't know. Like I said, his documentary is poorly reviewed, so it's 4 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, wow. So that makes it hard to uh, judge whether or not there is credence to this. I will be watching it uh, when we prepare for a full deep dive into the Montauk Project in a future episode, though. Uh, so I'll have more to say on that in the future. But uh, other things that are weird there are there are concrete slabs in grassy areas that look like there's no there's never been like roads or walking paths to get to it uh so the claim has been since it shut down they had filled the underground section with concrete so you could not access it or so people wouldn't be able to access it in uh if it base closed down in 1981 and opened to the public as a national park in 2002. In that period, though, people who have explored the abandoned base during the time that it was shut down claim to have found invoices and stuff for food orders for the base in between that dated for the in between that time that the base was shut down. So there are theories that there might have been people still operating outside of that base in this underground section even after the base was officially closed. Now, perhaps the least extreme theory about Camp Hero had to do with its SAGE radar dish. SAGE standing for Semi-Automatic Ground Environment. And I will share a photo here. Oh, God, I hope it's better than this last photo. It is. Thank God. I are looking at Perky Bird. Cat monster. So... <laughs> The radar dish was installed in the 60s uh, as a early warning system for a nuclear strike. It would provide uh, up to a 30-minute advanced warning for an attack uh, during the Cold War. The dish operated at 425 megahertz, which is strong enough to interfere with local broadcast stations and people's TV sets. This led to some people believing that the tower was used also as a mind control device. God damn it. Yeah. Because of course. 
It's fucking nuts to think about how we used to have shit like this installed in front yards and stuff just to get TV. Like, my house in Atwood had a big satellite dish out in the front, like a big one. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and it, it clearly wasn't for my house because we didn't have satellite TV. So I don't know if it was like for the neighborhood or what, but it was like a big ass satellite in our front yard. Yeah, well, we never, we never had satellite. I, uh, I firmly remember having to fuck with rabbit ears in order Neither to get did signal. We. We oh, didn't have satellite, said. but there was a big black one in our front yard. So I don't know if it was from like some previous owners of the house or if it was just like this is the satellite for Atwood, but it was a big fucking satellite in our front fucking yard that you could literally sit under. I don't know what the fuck it was for, but it was massive and that just used to be common back in the day, just giant satellites in people's yards. It was the mind probably. control. Yeah, it was probably mind control. <laughs> So yeah, that's Camp Hero, and its own fantastic deep dive into Tin Hat Theory. Now let's go across the water to Plum Island. Plum Island. On Plum Island lies the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. Uh, the center, originally uh, a military base during World War II, was repurposed an animal disease facility in 1954. It's, I bet that's where our buddy came from. It sounds plausible. Uh, well, yeah, very possible. Its primary goal at the time was to study foot and mouth disease, uh, which what? was ravaging. <laughs> yeah, w- w- <laughs> which was ravaging people's uh, livestock at the time. Now, in 1975, <laughs> okay, that's so, fair. This does look like the embodiment of foot and mouth. <laughs> He's on the screen. <laughs> okay, so our next fucking conspiracy. Interestingly enough, in 1975, the first case of Lyme disease was reported. Uh, Lyme disease is a tick spread uh, ailment that uh, symptoms consist of fever, chills, headache, fatigue, muscle and joint aches, swollen lymph nodes, uh, rashes can occur. Uh, it will begin at the, uh, the place of the tick bite and kind of looks like a, I'll, I'll send another image, but uh, looks kind of like a bullseye. And it's pretty big. Okay, that's the tame picture. That's a, like a fake. Yeah, these are these are medical pictures. These aren't people. Thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. And uh, now officially the creature is off my screen, which I also appreciate. So that's a big ass. Uh, that's a big ass area of effect there. Yeah. This reminds me of the movie that that, that was based on big ass ticks. Like, that movie was rough. Yeah, aside from that, um, if left untreated, the symptoms of Lyme disease can become more and more severe. So after days to months after the tick bite, severe headaches and neck stiffness become a common issue. Additional rashes on other areas of the body can occur. Facial palsy, which is a loss of muscle tone or droop on one, uh, one or both sides of the face. 
arthritis can occur with joint pain and swelling, intermittent pain in tendons, muscle, joints, bones, heart palpitations or an irregular heartbeat, dizzy spells or shortness of breath, inflammation of the brain and spinal cord, Jesus. nerve pain, shooting and pains, that last longer than three hours, shooting pains, numbness, tingling what, in the hands of feet. But I don't even think this is fully comprehensive because there are also a lot of weird issues that have also occurred with patients with Lyme disease. Uh, For example, we had a friend who he like his organs were trying to shut down on him. And it turned out the problem was Lyme disease. Nice. Oh, yeah. 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 Bobby. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of weird stuff around Lyme disease and people don't want to talk about it. It's hard to get it diagnosed. It's hard to get it treated once you have it diagnosed. It is uh, a serious problem that le- when people end up having it, they usually end up confused and frustrated. I'll talk about a little bit. I'll talk a little more about that here in a minute. But uh, let's see. So. This first case was reported in Lyme, Connecticut, hence the name Lyme disease. Plum Island just so happens to be located a couple miles off the coast of Lyme, Connecticut. Uh, This has led people to theorize the origin of the disease is to be from this Plum Island Disease Center. Uh, Scientists of the center have explained that all the animals are killed to prevent spread of pathogens outside of the facility. But people have speculated that birds flying back and forth from the island could have picked up infected ticks and spread the disease to the mainland. And let's be honest, uh, Lyme disease sounds a lot more menacing than plum disease. So clearly that's why it was known Uh, that way. uh, So the chief strategy officer for Hudson Valley uh, Policy Think Tank and lawyer April Ferguson was quoted saying, uh, I don't know if Lyme came from... Uh, I don't know if Lyme came from this. Oh, oh shit. I'm sorry. I'm getting my pages mixed up. I'm sorry. Okay. She said, I don't know if Lyme came from Plum Island, but it's weird that no one wants to talk about it. Doctors are scared to treat and diagnose it. And the government doesn't talk about it. Uh, People suffering from Lyme disease often have trouble getting it diagnosed or getting treatment and medicine for it after diagnosis. So April... Uh, spends a lot of her time representing these people uh, in cases against their insurance providers to try and get approval for antibiotics to treat this condition because insurance providers will not cover the antibiotics. Hmm. Yes, like I said, it's, it's very strange that nobody is like it's it's. I said, like we saw with Robbie, it took him forever to... Yeah, literal like, years. Yeah. Uh, and his health just got progressively worse and worse during that yeah. time. And eventually figured out it was Lyme disease and then eventually got it treated. So it's interesting to see that this is, a, this is some kind of weird widespread problem that people are having when they get Lyme disease. Uh, now, people think that the facility may have been used to experiment... Uh, using animals as a means of deploying bioweapons 
and Lyme disease being one such weapon. So the thought is maybe this was something they had developed in the lab and were experimenting using animals to try and deploy it, and it got out. Something similar uh, to this theory happened in Texas at A&M, where they also had a disease research facility, and there was a huge... uh, issue where some of the stuff they were studying ended up getting out and uh, I think this was while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State but uh, there was several testimonies and stuff and she made some letters about demanding investigations about how this happened uh, and that facility was shut down because of it so there's been a history of stuff getting out of these biological research facilities And it could be that this is what happened with Lyme disease. Uh, Let me go set my notes. Now, another theory. Oh, go ahead. I was about to say, some people speculate that's where Kyle came from. I feel like there's a little more than speculation about that. But that actually gets into my uh, second theory, or the second theory about Plum Island. And that the facility was used to experiment with genetically altering animals with the intent of creating physically altered creatures. So, the theory is that the Montauk monster is a physically altered creature bred in this facility. Uh, Why would you breed that thing? And the fact shows that Kyle is one such creature. Uh, I would I I just, I feel like that's a, an attack of Kyle's character to say that he's anything related to that thing. <laughs> that thing is that thing is like you look up the definition of fugly and the Montauk monster is right there in the fucking dictionary. Yeah, there was an alleged case of staff on the island calling the police uh, over a found human body. Oh my god, you said staff on the island. I thought you were talking about staff, like, as in, like, the disease. No, 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 no. Uh, And this is, like, I guess cleaning staff or something. I couldn't get any clear uh, word on that. But they also described the human they had found as having strange proportions, such as elongated fingers. And a huge dick. Just massive. Massive. <laughs> uh, and it here... also had a beacon teeth. Now, uh, the only evidence of this body comes from the drawing of dubious origin. And the official story of it was that some of the things changed about the description and saying it was just a black man who was found dead. But uh, here is the alleged drawing of the, the, the described person that they had found. I had long fingers and no dick. Yeah, That's a fair. huge lack also, of dick. Also, no, no ass crack either. Ah, those are unnecessary. Okay. Mm, okay. Now, this is probably the most popular origin of the Montauk monster is that they were, it was a physically altered creature. Uh, but now comes to the less fun part, which is reality. And uh, 
Mostly, that was just a trick of the camera. So here is another angle of a later released photo of the Montauk monster. I get either. I uh, know, still not great, but uh, Looks that more is like a dog. Clearly not a beak. Some of the speculation is that it might have been like a pit bull or something that fell off of a somebody's yacht in the area. <laughs> uh, paleozoologist Darren Nash and Jeff Corwin uh, took looks at some high-res images of it and believe it to be a raccoon. And here is one more photo with oh a superimposed raccoon and oh a raccoon skull. Uh, as you can see, the initial shape of the front of the creature's face of what had looked like a beak from that angle matches perfectly a raccoon skull uh, missing its top row of teeth. And the fingers match that of a raccoon's fingers. Oh, I do not like that zoom in of the fucking corpse <laughs> fingers. I do not like it. Yeah, it's it's rough to look at, but it becomes pretty obvious it is oh, a it's raccoon. It's like a fucked up human foot. There is marshlands on the mainland. And one thing I read is that that's a place where old raccoons will go to die. And it probably just got <laughs> washed out to shore with high tide. And then the way it decomposed, maybe fish eating it. Uh, caused it to lose some of the skin on the front of its skull, lose its top row of teeth, and just the angle that it ended up laying at for that initial photo made it look like it had a beak. This, of course, does not stop people from theorizing or posting more horrendous photos of creatures that I will not make you guys look at. Thank you. But Thank if you... Well, I looked at one of these photos... And they said it was some kind of weird altered horse. Uh, I put it through a reverse image search and found it was from like a medical, uh, a veterinary uh, slide presentation of a C-sectioned cow that had died in the womb. God, that's a lot. Yeah. So there's a lot of fake photos. Uh, not they're not fake, but they're other things that people are claiming to be Montauk monsters. But this is the only photo of a truly alleged Montauk monster, and uh, either sadly enough or at great relief, it's it's just a raccoon. I hope it's just a raccoon because I don't want to live in a world where uh, there's the weird beaked teethy creature running around somewhere. Oh yeah. But I mean, I think the craziest thing about this story is just all of the conspiracy that this that's on the periphery of this story. Yeah, everything with far farther-reaching things have links to this story, and it just and not only that, and uh, I, we we haven't a chance to talk about this yet. Uh, going into the Philadelphia experiment. Here recently, with the UFOs that have been plaguing the U.S., I kept seeing comments about something called Project Bluebeam. And so I started looking into it and found out that it's another conspiracy theory with ties to the Philadelphia experiment. 
And so it just kind of made me go a little crazy this week where everything I was looking at was kind of leading back to what I had been researching. Fair. That's it. That's my story. That is the Montauk Monster. Conspiracy theories. They all lead back to another conspiracy theory that leads to another one, leads to another one. I'm sure if we follow it deep enough, it'll all lead back to flat earth. Probably. Short your whore mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'm going to have bad dreams about that fucking first picture. Let's feel it. Oh, yeah. It's... I unearthed a new fear I didn't know I had, and that's of beaked creatures with rows of teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it is one twenty at night, and we're just wrapping up your case. And we started—I don't even know when we started this point because we uh, started and then we had technical difficulties, and then we started a second time. Yeah, we started at like ten something. So it is—it is late, late, and I have haunted images of what might or might not be a uh, shored-up raccoon that might have died of Lyme disease or not, or died of tripping acid. Who knows? The Montauk is a sketchy place. I know that I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to Plum Island. Yeah, I don't, I don't see much reason to want to hang shit. out in that area. You might no. get Lyme disease. There's probably still acid in the water supply from back in the day. Can't fucking trust that place. It's probably what the raccoon died of. It drank some fucking acid water and fucking <laughs> tripped balls in the fucking beach and then died in the sand. I believe it. If that's even a raccoon, it might just be a fucked up fucking experiment that guys on acid that worked for the government cooked up and was like, oh, we need to make sure this thing doesn't live to see the fucking next day. And they drowned it on the beach and just left it there. That's understandable. Who if I made knows? that, I would, I would definitely put it out of everyone's and its own misery. Yeah, no, absolutely. You make something that has a beak and teeth, you are obligated to drown it on whatever <laughs> nearest beach you can find. Specifically a beach. Only salt water can purge that from the world. It's got to be done. Absolutely. Ugh. Ugh. That's haunting. Well, I mean, that's our first, like, conspiracy theory uh, thing really dug into. We've done hauntings. We've done possessions. We've done sad and uh, goofy. And we've done cryptids. And that is our first conspiracy theory. And you touched on some of the bigger stuff in the United States, like... Uh, Operation Paperclip and all that jazz because fuck me, the government experimenting with acid was fucking gnarly. Oh yeah. We definitely need to cover that someday and that would absolutely have to be covered in a multi-parter because uh, who we? Back then fucking government officials were just fucking secretly dosing each other left and right just to test acid and uh, it must have been a wonky world to live in. Yeah, I imagine a workspace where like you, if anybody offers you anything, you just have to tell them to fuck off. Yeah, and none of them were either. They were all like, oh, sure, Tim, thanks for the water. And the next thing you know, they're tripping balls yeah. because they fucking did a fucking almost lethal dose of fucking acid mixed with God knows what. And they were like, we were just seeing how it would react to it. And he was like, not great, Tim. Not great. I ate my toddler. <laughs> so... What a world to live in. Happy I wasn't part of it. Good God. You imagine going through the schooling so you could be part of the government and that's where you end up. 
in a fucking think tank with people fucking dosing each other just for the fuck of it. Yeah, that's Jesus Christ. That's got to be. I mean, that's the most hostile of hostile work environments. You <laughs> yeah, know? I, I just know. went to go like eat my time. fucking. I just went to go eat my snack pack, and it turns out Jim laced it with fucking twenty grams of fucking acid. I was tripping for a month. <laughs> No, thanks. Next thing I know, I woke up on a beach next to what I could only assume was a skinned raccoon. He swapped nope. out my vitamins with acid. I've hey, been tripping else. for days. Oh, God. You know, that shit's... Uh, MK Ultra is a fucking hot mess of a nightmare, and I would uh, like for us to dive into it someday, but not this day, because it is... We, we started uh, recording this in one day, and now we're in a whole nother day. And I am uh, tired and uh, bewildered, to say the least. Uh, I would like to thank all the listeners out there for putting up with us and wish Jeremy a happy uh, belated birthday at this point because we're like two days past his birthday. He's 50 now. So there's that. He's like the Crypt Keeper of the Golden Image Podcast uh, umbrella. I th- yeah, I think they have to uh, sacrifice a small animal to wake him up in the morning. I think technically now we have to rebrand and get a new Jeremy that's younger that wears sunglasses and says hip things now. It's time to it's time to replace him. We got to go from Golden J to uh, something newer and hipper. Uh, Double Golden uh, J, two XL. Golden Jazzy J, you know. Someone that says woke things and is uh, super hip and is on the Tic Tacs. All those kids do these days. Uh, That being said, uh, if you would like to uh, write us and talk to us about what you think about the skinned raccoon or not skinned raccoon, the abomination that we will be posting in our socials, uh, you can email us at the United States of Paranormal at gmail.com. Or hit us up on our socials at Facebook, Instagram, uh, not so much the Twitter. We don't really fuck with that anymore uh, for reasons and things. And uh, just because that's one less place where I have to do work on socials. Another creature developed on Plum Island. Yeah, Twitter. Uh, then uh, if you're like, hey, Logan, uh, I like the paranormal and shit, but I'd like to branch out to other things. Maybe sports, pop culture, murder, or books. We have... The podcast is for you. That's right. The podcast is for you. You can go on Mondays and check out the call guys, or as I like to call them, the call boys. Uh, You got Colton, uh, also known as one kill for three, or as the emperor calls him, vanilla thunder and uh, Chico noise, AKA gunner, AKA uh, the cousin uh, that, uh, I wish uh, I would have, you know, put out of his misery when he was an infant because he has bad opinions. Uh, they talk about pop culture stuff and uh, to top list, sometimes top five, sometimes top three. The I last thing said they top do... list for a moment. Oh yeah, they do stuff. They do top three list, top lists. Go check them out on YouTube. Rated our film opinions. <laughs> yeah. They tell you what you should watch while you're watching what you want to watch. Them shirtless. Go check out the Call Boys. Topless, top list. See, look at that. that is a, that's a podcast right there. That one's for yeah. free. You can have that one. Next one you yeah. got to pay for. Yeah. But the uh, last one they covered was top uh, three list of movies based on true events. 
and fuck me, they had a guest on there, and I they it was almost all war movies that they picked. And I was like, man, for some sports loving fucks, they did not really mention a whole lot of sports movies. It was like war movie, war movie, war movie. Not Rudy, but a sports movie. Rudy's like my go-to for a sports movie because I don't watch a whole lot of sports movie. But uh, yeah, oof, it was a lot of war flicks. I personally said that I would have been like the founder, which was Michael Keaton, based on the the guy that took over McDonald's back in the day and made it a big thing. Uh, three, a Dale Earnhardt story. And fuck me, what was my uh, what was what was my? I had three, and I can't remember. Who? I cannot for the life of me remember what my other uh, based on a true story movie was. Who knows? Fuck it. Norbit. Uh. <laughs> oh god, I didn't say fucking horror movie. Uh. <laughs> Jesus. Gunner does love Eddie Murphy though. He does a pretty solid impersonation of Eddie Murphy. So, uh, if, uh, God, it's going to kill me that I can't think of what my, uh, top three would have been. Oh, you know what? I'm not even getting that right because the last list they did was top three car movies. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't really have a lot of car movies personally. Yeah. I'm trying to think Uh, of what car movies I might've seen. I mean, I've seen cars. I I personally they were they were it was pretty it was pretty broad they were going like movies that had like heavily leaned on cars and stuff. Uh, I went with Fanboys was one of mine. I went with realistic car movies, not like animated and stuff. Mm-hmm. I went with Fanboys because Hutch's van. I went with yet again uh, three Adele Earnhardt Adele Earnhardt movie, and then went with Nicolas Cage Drive Angry, which was a solid fucking flick. What about it's a mad 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 world. Uh, you want? Uh, I think one of them went with Herbie fully loaded, you know, with Lindsay Lohan. But uh, I just I just went with realistic movies when I hit them up with my list, and I went with Dale Earnhardt uh, or three Dale Earnhardt story, Drive Angry, and Fanboys. And I went with if I went with TV shows, I went with Supernatural because you know, baby. I went with the Vista Cruiser and uh, that '70s show. And then the monster coach in the monsters because that car was fucking dope as shit. Dope, dope, dope. Uh, if you're not into pop culture or you're into pop culture and you're like Logan, I'm done with Monday. What can I do on Tuesday? Well, you can head over to Golden Image Podcast, which is a podcast that on one uh one week they do reviews of things in Northern Indiana and or around them, like breweries. Uh, regular ass restaurants, uh, museums, and other venues. Or on oscillating weeks, they just do Golden Image Vintage podcast episodes where they go back and do the Golden Image radio shows that Jeremy did in the beginning of the internet, back in the day. And if you're like, Logan, that's great, but what do I do on Wednesdays? Well, you already know what you do on Wednesdays. You're here. It's the United States of Paranormal Podcast. I almost forgot our own name there. <laughs> where we talk about spooky shit all over the world. Yes, it says the United States, but sometimes we go to other places like, you know, Vietnam to talk about the tech tech and uh, whatnot. And you're like, Logan, okay, I'm done with Wednesdays. What about Thursdays? Well, I'll tell you what. Thursdays, if you're a sports fan, head on over to the Indiana Chiefs Fans Podcast where the Chiefs just won the fucking Super Bowl. So anybody that's not a Chiefs fan, cram that in your juice box and fucking suck it. How about that for a tag? <laughs> it's a good time for, uh, if you're a fan of be that a podcast. It's a good time to be a Chiefs fan. 
Uh, and if you're like Logan, I don't do sports ball, but maybe I like murder and or books. Well, I have something to tell you. Fucking Friday is the day for you. Friday, we've got the Murderers, which has got Trashley, Alicia, the former Tusop host, and uh, Golden Jazzy J, the hip new reiterated version of Jeremy that is definitely not 50, where they talk about true crime all over the world. And sometimes it's not just true crime they talk about. Sometimes they talk about straight-ass animal murder or straight-ass animal rescue. Who knows? Or if you're like, I don't really want to talk about murder, but maybe fantasy murder? Go on over to the Court of Books and Booze where they talk about all sorts of books. Right now they're working on... Uh, fuck, I cannot remember for the life of me what that book series is called. Throne of Glass, I think, is the first book. But you got... Uh, the Skywalker, Jessica, and fuck, I cannot remember that chick's name to save my life, but she does a great job, and they talk about books and such, which I haven't picked up a book since high school, basically, so maybe I should listen to that podcast more and read a book. Logan forgot how to read. Uh, you know, I might have. And right now, I basically just look at words, and I just wing it, and I've gotten so good that people actually believe what I'm saying, so... That's all the Golden Image uh, production studio umbrella empire viscosity mixture has got to offer right now. Until Golden Jay's like, now we've got Saturday and Sunday covered. Which at this point, it, it might be coming. Who knows what those podcasts would be. What would you guys pitch for a podcast for Saturday and Sunday? If you'd like to pitch a podcast, email us at the United States of Paranormal at gmail.com. I personally would pitch a food podcast because I'm uh, fat. I would, uh, you know what? The call guys reached out to us and they want to do a snack episode where all of us bring. Uh, what we basically do is we all get, uh, we pick a snack and we all get a different version of that snack, off brand and name brand, and we uh, we all compare. Oh, that'd be dope. I'd be absolutely down for, depending on the snack. Hopefully, it's not something sweet. I'd go for like savory or spicy. Personally, I don't like sweet. Yeah, I'd love that if they can afford my appearance fee. Yeah, you know, it's a little costly, you know. Uh, but I think that's been it uh, for this train wreck of... Uh, this is going to be a long one. If you guys made it this far into this podcast, congratulations. And let me tell you, if the robot uprising wouldn't have happened, this it would have been at least 40 minutes longer. <laughs> because after it cut off in the Tomb Raider conversation, we went on for a while. We talked about Will Smith. We talked about more movies. We talked about our cure for world hunger. And I think that would have stuck. Honestly. It was Yeah, it was foolproof. And it was cheap. It would have been less than a cent day. It would have been tasty and affordable, and uh, we would have won a fucking uh, Nobel Peace Prize, but it's gone forever. So basically, it was the podcast equivalent of uh, Tribute by Tenacious D, you know? This isn't the greatest and best podcast in the world. This is just a tribute. So this has been Logan, a.k.a. Nagel, a.k.a. The God's Revolver, uh, with uh, Maddie Matt, Matterson, and Biggity Bows saying hey listeners it's late i want to sleep i miss you and i appreciate you like and review go check out merch all that shit you know uh stay spooky question mark to support other golden mojo entertainment productions check out golden image podcast 
The Call Guys, and Murd Nerds wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. To see photos and find new episodes of the United States of Paranormal, follow us on our social media, Twitter at T-U-S-O-P-P-O-D, or Instagram at the United States of Paranormal, and Facebook, the United States of Paranormal. If you have a place that you'd like us to look into or would like to share your spooky story that we can read on the air, please email us at the United States of Paranormal at gmail.com.